What is going on, Go Church? How's everybody doing today? Are you good? Has your summer been good? Come on, man. I love this. is my favorite time of the year, partially because like my birthday was like a week ago. And uh, man, I'm getting really old. I realized that uh, this past week. But uh, maybe you don't know who I am. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff. Uh, and I've had the privilege of serving this incredible house for the last four years, and uh, it's been nothing but a privilege. It's always a privilege to get to preach the word, but also to stand in the pulpit of some really great leadership. And I'd love to take a moment. Can we just honor our lead pastors, JC and Kimberly Worley? Um, all the hard work that they put into just really everything around here and the vision and the mission. Man, if you've been around this house uh, for more than a week or two, you realize, man, this is a contagious place for all the right reasons. Just everybody's on fire for the Lord. We, I really believe this is one of the best seasons our church has ever walked in, and it has to do with the really great leadership at the top. And so I'm really thankful to them. I want to take a moment and welcome in our online audience, our Germantown campus, our Westside campus. Come on. If you love the rest of our family, can you let them know? Appreciate all of you. If you haven't had a chance to check out some of our other locations, I encourage you, man. It's a great great thing to do with you and your family. And then one of the privileges and one of the things we do every um, week in this house is we love to honor the brave men and women of our military and our first responders. And like with July 4th always gets me in a mood, very patriotic uh, in the month of July. And I'm just thankful today that I get to stand here uh, and preach the word to you and not have to worry about my life getting threatened. And you can worry about hearing the word and not getting your life threatened. And I'm just thankful for the brave men and women who've given so much to our country and those who serve our communities day in and day out. Can you give them just some appreciation right now for their sacrifice? Uh, we're in the series uh, on summer school on the book of Proverbs. And if you know me, you know that I absolutely love the Word of God. Love to read it, love to share it, love to talk about it. Uh, and it's always a privilege to preach it. And today we're going to jump over to Proverbs chapter 10. Uh, but even, even though I love to preach the word, sometimes I just need a little bit of help. And so uh, how about this? How about before we get started, I take a moment and I pray over you and you take a moment and you pray over me. Does that sound good? So does that sound good in here today? Good, good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, every person under the sound of my voice today, Lord, wherever they are, wherever they're sitting, Lord, I pray that heaven would invade where they are, that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word that you want to speak into our lives today. Lord, I pray that we give you the honor and the glory for all you've done, but also for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. I want to talk to you today, uh, and I'm probably going to teach a lot more than I'm going to preach, but uh, I want to talk to you about what I think is one of the most constructive and destructive forces in our entire life, and that is what you say, or like the Bible talks about your tongue, the words that you say, the things that you speak, over your life. I don't know if you realize just how powerful your words are. Think about it for a moment. Like uh, words, uh, they're an everyday part of our lives. They invade everything. Think about a minute just about how powerful the words that you say are. Uh, no doubt at some point in time, you've shared something encouraging, kind, uplifting. Maybe you came to a friend in a moment that they desperately needed some encouragement. Maybe, maybe uh, you're a 
you can think of a time where, man, your spouse was just in a dark spot, but you came in and just gave them great encouragement, or they gave you that. There's no doubt in my mind you could think of some really good times where what you've said has been beneficial to someone else in your life. And at the same time, I think you and I can come up with a few examples of uh, some things we've said that have gone south. Maybe it's just not gone the right way. Maybe, maybe you told an inappropriate joke, uh, didn't go out that well. Maybe, maybe you lied, and then, then you said some more lies to cover up that lie. Maybe, maybe you got somebody's name wrong. Anybody ever get somebody's name wrong? That is the worst. Like, especially when you're like, I know Bob really well. Bob is a great man. He's like, my name's Bill. Like I said, Bill's a great man. And uh, I'll never forget, I got a friend, he's a pastor, and he's got a ton of kids, and I know he's not going to be watching today, he's preaching somewhere, but uh, he called me when they had their fourth child, and was like, man, he sent me a picture, and he was like, man, this, this uh, boy is just beautiful. I was like, dude, he's incredible, welcoming your fourth son, that's awesome. I was like, dude, what are you going to name him? And he's like, I'm going to name him Rocky. And I was like, and I said, like Balboa? <laughs> and I laughed, I said, no, for real, man, what are you going to name him? He goes, we named him Rocky. And I was like... I like Rocky. Rocky. Rocky's good. Rocky, that's a great name. Yeah, it's, it's strong. You know, like there's times, you know, now that I think about it, maybe there's more times in my life where what I, I've said has done more harm than good. Or maybe I spend most of the time with my words trying to fish myself out of a trap that I, my other words have got myself into. But man, words, words are strong. They're powerful. Uh, think about it. Like you, you praise with your words. You pray with your words. You commit to marriage with your words. Uh, words are just, man, they're important. They're powerful. I think uh, words are like a vehicle that God uses to get things done. Okay? Look back at creation. He spoke the world into existence. Uh, he speaks into the hearts and minds of many people in the Bible. He speaks into our hearts and minds as believers. And it's Jesus who, dying on the cross, said, it is finished. And man, in that moment, you and I began this journey and this opportunity called salvation because of the sacrifice that he made and he sealed with those words. And so today, I want to read a few thoughts out of Proverbs chapter 10. Okay? So Proverbs chapter 10 uh, and I want to drive home one total thought today, and it's gonna repeat, I'm going to repeatedly say this, and that is, man, your words have more power than you think they do. Like, your words have more power not only over your own life, but on the life of others, your situation. And so we're going to read a good chunk of Proverbs chapter 10. I love the words, so we're going to read a lot of scripture today, and that's okay. All right, starting in verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 7, then mentioning of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of the heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Let's skip to 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And on the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who has no sense. Wise people stir, store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Verse 19, there are many words, wrongdoing, where there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable. But one who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is like the choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die of a lack of understanding. Then the last portion, 31 and 32, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. 
but the perverted tongue will be cut out. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked knows what is perverted. Man, like your words, like they carry a lot of weight. And my first thought today, I want you to write this down as this. When it comes to the power of your words, man, there is a difference between the, what the righteous and what the unrighteous say. There's a difference between what the righteous and the unrighteous say. And maybe you're wondering which camp that you fall into today. I think uh, all of us at some point in time have fallen into either one or the other camp. Your heart, at the, at the end of the day, it's, you're still battling your flesh. You're still battling who you are. The Lord is with you. He's helping you. But man, there's sometimes that I say things I shouldn't. You say things we shouldn't. But I'm not just talking about uh, cruel jokes or curse words or something along like that. There is a lot of power, and there's a big difference between the way righteous people view life and speak over their life, and people who don't know the Lord speak over their life. You know, you can tell a lot of person by kind of what they say. Sometimes you can hear their education level. Sometimes you can hear their worldview. You definitely can hear their politics if they keep talking. You can hear sometimes that they have joy or peace in their spirit by what they say. Uh, if, you're, if you're like me, sometimes, man, the country comes out of me. I'm from the south. Come on, where are my people from the deep south in here? Anybody? Two, three, four, five, ten. And uh, like you can tell sometimes if you get me talking about like fishing, hunting, or cooking, like there's a different part of me that just explodes. And uh, you just can you're like, that boy's country, right? And then you could be like Pastor Lisa at our West Side campus, and she is from New York, and you can hear it in the tone of what she says, how she say it. Where's my New York people at uh, in here? Anybody? Come on. Two of you? One, oh, well, you're really proud. You're really proud, I can tell. And, uh, but both good and evil are carried in your words, okay? Good and evil are carried in what you say, and there is a lot of weight in what is spoken over us and what we speak over each other. I go back to uh, a story in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau, they're twins born. Esau is the firstborn. And so by right, Esau is to receive the right of the firstborn. It's a blessing over the firstborn. It's a huge, significant moment in his life. And it's a privilege for a father to do that for his son. But the other son, Jacob, is jealous. And what does he do to his blind father? He tricks him into giving him this blessing. And so Jacob realizes, man, if I could get this word spoken over me, man, it's important. It matters. Your words matter. And the what we say as righteous and unrighteous, it matters too. It matters. Go back and forth. Let's go back to like verse 11. Uh, let's go back and forth kind of between what the righteous and unrighteous say, okay? If we're going to do a little explaining. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked, it conceals violence. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked knows what is perverted. I want you to know something today, and I want you to write this down. Man, what you say illustrates more about your heart than what you may realize. Like what you say illustrates more about your heart than what you realize. And I, I go back to what Pastor David preached kind of in the beginning of this series. He, he gave this illustration of we like to put a filter over our mouth so that nothing bad comes out. But if we would just put a filter over our heart, then nothing bad would come out. Like we're, we're blocking it at the wrong place. And if you would filter out what comes into your heart, it'd be a lot easier for you to display what it is you want to display. We spend a ton of time, okay, uh, trying to convince people that we have it together. We do that through social, right? We try to make sure that we, our kids aren't acting a fool in public, which mine do often. It is what it is. Listen, I got three kids, like four, and then some twins. 
Our house is wild. It is what it is, right? Like, we worry about what people think about our kids. We worry about the way that we dress and what we look. I joked uh, in the first gathering, I spent 20 minutes behind stage just trying to get my collar to lay right. I was like, this is not, I'm not vibing this right now. It looks stupid. And, uh, like, we worry over things that we think other people care about and that other people are watching and wanting to receive but with our mouths and what we say and how we speak to others we spoil any kind of image that we built up about being good and about being right and about being an example to other people you know I grew up in, in kind of holiness church like I grew up in a small country church and there was this period of time in my younger years maybe like 13 14 where I was really worried about what I was wearing and about things like not going to the movies or stuff like that. Like I was just worried about this because I thought that God, his approval was tied to the way that I dressed and the way that I looked and the way that I was perceived by other people. So I spent so much time trying to look apart that I wasn't playing in my own heart. And what I've come to know about the Father is Jesus cares way more about your heart than the type of jacket you're wearing or if you wore jeans or slacks or if you wore a dress or if you've got you. I grew up in a church where like everybody had bobby pins up in their hair. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know church was good when there was a lot of bobby pins on the floor. That's how we knew. Like church was right. They got the magnet out, picked them all up. And like I was so, like I was so worried about it. But what I know is that if I would just work on my heart, man, all the other things that I'm worried about on the outside would get fixed because I fixed my core on the inside. Don't get caught up equating righteousness with an outward appearance only because righteousness is a matter of the heart. And I'm, I'm worried sometimes we put a lot of effort into making sure everybody in this room thinks we got it together. But if you would just work on your heart, man, the only person you need to be impressed would be impressed, and that's the Lord. Righteousness is a matter of the heart. You can't really judge a book by its cover, right? You know, if you're worried about reputation and you're worried about, look, I want you to know you should spend less time worrying about that and just more time invested in your heart and who you are. And the older I get, the more I draw closer to the Lord. Like, the, the older I get, the more I have a deep appreciation for just my time uh, reading the Word of God. I'm also like a casual prayer with the Lord. Like, I just talk to the Lord throughout the day. Like, I know He's listening. And I noticed something about myself. Like, the more I draw closer to God, the more that He's changing me. You know what? I love it. I'm okay with it. At this point in stage in my life, I, I'm fine with it. Lord, you do in my heart what you want to do. Uh, but it has been said that I, I lack empathy. It has been said that I have a grumpy face. I don't know who said it in here. But people, I have been told many times, perceive me to be upset or grumpy. Uh, I just, real serious sometimes. When people share with me, like, what's going on in their life, it's just like, I am zoned in. Like, I'm focused. And uh, uh, those who know me, though, they know that I'm much more than a grumpy face. Come on. They know that I'm much more than this incredibly handsome, good looks, and intelligent mind. Please hold your applause today. I would love for you to do that. Like they, people that know me know I'm, I'm a kind of person that is fiercely protective over those that I care about. Like, I, I'll stand up for the underdog. If you're in my circle, listen, I'm going to take a bullet for you, all right? And at the same time, I care about you enough to give you some wisdom, even when you don't want to hear it or don't want to receive it. And it's not because I give advice because I want to look good. It's because I want you to win. And so 
I've come to know something about this. Though my face is grumpy, I can make up for this face with what I say. By the encouragement that I give. Because listen, at 36, this face is only getting uglier. All right? Like, it's only, it's not getting prettier. So I know I can't change, like, the reflexes of my face. But you know what I can do? I can speak a word of encouragement in your life. I can speak some things over your life that you need to hear and that you want to hear. I can help you navigate the journey that you're on. Because I realize the power of what my words say. And those who truly know me, truly know my heart. As a leader, I've come to discover this, that my staff and uh, the environment in which I work in, it's totally up to me. Like, if I want the authority of being in an authoritative position, if I want to be in leadership, then I have to own the fact that I am responsible for my environment. If it's negative, I got to do what I can to get it not. If it's uh, lazy, I've got to do what I can to interject some energy into it. Um, and at the same time, I've got to shepherd what I feel is good momentum. And I'm coming to tell you today, maybe you're not a leader uh, at a church or in a workplace, but if you're a parent, you're a leader in a home. You're in charge of the environment in your home. If you're an employee, you're in charge of those who work around you and the environment that's around you. Like if you're a coach, you're in charge of the environment of your team. And so that brings me to my second point, and that's this. Your words produce your world. Your words produce your world. I think it's really, uh, it's really easy if you spend a few moments in an environment to kind of identify like what kind of environment it is, okay? Prime example of that would be like once you wait in line and you go and order a Chick-fil-A, like you have been greeted, like it's my pleasure, things are clean, like Caleb's playing in the background, like... It just feels a certain way. You go into McDonald's and it's like that milkshake machine's broken for the 900th time, right? It's getting clean. Boy, it gets clean every five minutes. I feel like that thing gets clean. And then you get up to the counter and they're like, what do you want? Like, what do I want? Like, you're working here. Like, like, what do you want? Like, like I showed up someplace I wasn't supposed to be, right? And uh, it's easy. It's, I think it's easy to identify whether or not you're in an environment that is good or bad. It's up to you to decide if you're in a bad environment, if you're going to make it good. Or uh, if you're in a good environment, if you're going to be the one that ruins it. Like the decision is in our hand. Let's give some identifying factors of what a good environment uh, would be. I think encouragement is easily found in a good environment, right? Uh, it's, it's easily found. Not just encouragement, but praise uh, it's heard often, man. People talk about the people they work with, or they talk about uh, the people in their family, or in a church, man. You want to be in a church that lifts up the name of Jesus and not lifts up the name of a pastor. And I'm, I'm glad to say we're in a house like that. Can I get a good amen? Like, we're going to lift the name of the Lord up. Like, praise is heard often. Uh, I think a good environment is a place where compassion and empathy abound because we genuinely care for each other. We care. If we win, we care if we lose, we care if we're in good times, we care if we are in bad times. And then I think a good environment is always a place where lack isn't a problem. And here's why. Like, where, the, where there's a good environment, man, there's joy and there's peace. And you may not have, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, all right? We just didn't. I was joking with somebody at the pool yesterday about, uh, we grew up in, uh, like, the environments that we grew up in. And... Though we didn't have a ton of material things, man, our house had joy in it. Man, it was a great place to be. Joy abounds. Uh, At the same time, I think there's some markers for what a bad environment is, all right? Bad environment, look at this. Discouragement is common, 
right? Everybody picking on everybody. Nothing's working out. A half-empty view of the world. Man, there's nothing more draining than, like, pessimistic people, right? Like, the sun's out. They're like, yeah, but it could have come out earlier, you know. It's not going to be out tomorrow. Well, thanks for raining on that parade. Like, uh, like half, full peop- half full people are great people. Half-empty people, man, they kind of get on my nerves. Uh, problems remain unsolved. Problems remain unsolved in a bad environment. And here's why. Because nobody's focused on the overall health of an organization. Nobody cares about everybody winning. There's no care for each other. I think minimal effort is normalized in a bad environment. Maybe you find yourself in a work environment today or uh, you're in a work environment that, man, everybody's just lazy. Let me tell you what, that laziness, it creeps into like your family and it creeps into your own personality. It creeps into your exercise routine. It creeps into everything. And so sometimes you got to guard your heart. Maybe today, for some of you, that was the only word you needed today. You need to find you a job where there's some people who've got the energy level you want to be around. And then I think in a bad environment, man, lack is always a problem. It's a constant presence because, again, people aren't cared about the overall well-being of an organization or an environment. And uh, I look at this in, in Luke 6.45, it says this, Man, the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which fills the heart. His mouth speaks that which fills the heart. Let me tell you, the tongue only produces what the heart has already consumed. And for many of us, we're allowing bitterness to come into our heart. We're allowing uh, anxiety and worry to invest itself into our heart and who we are and who we identify as. And we don't even realize it, but we are that person who is half empty, speaking negative, Debbie down in every single thing that comes along. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to guard your heart from those things. You've got to stop those things from investing and taking root into your life. I almost think that that can be generational if you don't take care of it. Words, they, they, they're like legs to thoughts. They, they take thoughts somewhere. They, they, take, they take your thoughts into action. And what is on the inside of us matters to what we say and how we say on the outside. Like I said earlier, we should be real, really consumed with the opinions of other people. We're really consumed about it. Uh, because I think at the core, we want relationship or we want uh, a position of influence. Like we want to feel like we're important to a group. And the only way we feel important to the group is if we make sure the ducks are in the row on the outside. I think a lot of believers can be like this. And m- maybe you find yourself in this position today. You're like a really clean car, but you have no oil in the motor. I used to detail cars back in the day. If you know me, I love cars. You can wash a car, polish a car, ceramic coat a car, all you want. But if you forget to put oil in it, you're going to make it to Walmart, and that is it. Like, it's, that thing's imploding. Like, it ain't, it ain't going to make it that long. It's, it's, and you're going to be upset because now you've got an ornament in the driveway that looks really good but can't be driven anywhere, right? And I think many believers, like, you had everything you need on the outside. You've made sure everything you needed was right on the outside, except the one thing on the inside that would get you to the destination you wanted to go. That's, and, and that's backwards. It's backwards. I love a good clean car as anybody, and I love a good clean outfit as anybody. But man, I've got to make sure that my heart and my mind are pure. I'll never get to play the part that I really want to play. I'll never get to do the things I want to do. I think at some point in time, man, we've got to take ownership 
of the world in which we live in, of the environment in which we've created around us, okay? You've got to take ownership. Can I just be real honest with you? Like as a pastor, you sit down and you talk with people, and occasionally I'll hear this phrase. It almost makes me laugh. And people will say, you know, the devil's really after my finances. He after them. He's going to get them. And in my mind, I'm like, the devil is not after your finances. The devil didn't bounce that check. You bounce that check. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, the devil didn't sign up for a $685 car payment. You did. You're the dumb one that signed that for 10 years. Like, like, it's not. He didn't write that. You did. Like, you didn't spend. The devil did not buy 29 lattes this week, okay? Like, you did. You did. And I, and I want to say, and what we do is we get in the habit of blaming other people and blaming the enemy for all these things in our life. But many of our decisions are based upon our desire of our heart are not pure they're not aligned with God's word they're not in line with what we say and we put the blame on other people and if it's always somebody else's problem it'll never be your problem and what I see man is a lot of a lot of Christians in that struggle and I know that sound that's that may sound harsh coming from a pastor but we have to own our world we have to own our words and so my question to you is this is this if words produce worlds then what kind of world are you building if words produce worlds, what kind of world are you building? What does your environment look like? What does your marriage look like? What do your kids look like? What does your house look like? Like, what are you speaking and saying over those things? What kind of world are you seeing displayed? You know, and that brings me to my next point, man. Your words, man, your words, they impact your future. Your words impact your future. They're a huge part of our future. Uh, Words can shape destinies. When you get saved, right, it's if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, it's a dual action. I believe that the Lord and Savior, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I'm a sinner, I'm giving my life to him. We speak those words, we say those words, and we say what is an abundance of our own heart, the things that we're feeling. And man, in that moment, man, with the confession of our mouth and the belief in our heart, man, God sets us on a path to salvation and eternity in heaven with him. Words really, really matter. Proverbs, going back to there again, this is in chapter 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, I grew up, I told you I grew up uh, in a great environment. Um, we had, I have five siblings, so there was eight of us. And uh, love my family, love everything about my family still, that crazy family. Like, if you, sh it, it's, it's a lot, there's a Christmas movie, I'm trying to remember what it is, it just blanked. Where like, they go to all the different in-laws or whatever, like, and it's wild. Like, people wrestling in my house. There's a, there's like a turkey and a ham and some hot wings. Like, there's all sorts of confusion in my family Thanksgiving, and I love it. I love everything about it. We didn't have a whole lot growing up, uh, but we had a good environment. And my parents, man... They were just saints, now that I think about it. Now that I have three, three kids, I'm like, man, my parents, I don't know how they did it. And uh, my parents, my, there were some things you could do and things you couldn't do in my house. One of the things you could never do in my house was call someone stupid. Now, we got a little creative. We were like ignorant, you know. Uh, but you couldn't call each other stupid. You couldn't call each other stupid. My dad did not want that identity given to each other from each other. He didn't want us thinking for one moment that we were dumb, stupid, or couldn't do the things that were in our heart. And my dad and mom for sure never called me stupid. Like they never spoke that over me. I, uh, I, I went to Disney last year and for the very first time. And I mean, I don't know how y'all do it, by the way. First of all, I still, you know, I could have bought a car with what I spent on that. But um, 
you know, Disney, we went to Disney with my family, and I don't know who thought this would be a good idea, I don't know who to put the blame on, but we took our 11-month-old twins and our three-year-old son to Orlando in July, which I don't know if you own a weather app, that's dumb, and uh, we went to Disney, and man, the twins made it most of the day, we had to take them back, they were just, it was too hot. So my in-laws, in their pure kindness, said, hey, I know we're only here today, you two go back to the park. So me and Emily went back to the park. It was, the Magic Kingdom was magical when the kids were not around. I don't know what it was. And it was awesome. We rode all the cool rides. And then we stopped in somewhere to eat. And I'm, I'm not lying when I say this. And if you know me, you know I get upset about certain things. And then some things I don't ever get upset about. I'm sitting in this restaurant and we're eating uh, amusement park food, which was glorious. And across the room, like the dining area, an argument breaks out between a dad, a mom, and a son who's probably like seven. And I'm, I kid you not, this dad stands up after shooting everyone in the family at the bird. He just, I mean, he lays into this kid, cursing at him, screaming at him, yelling. I was like, Magic Kingdom, my butt. You know, like, I mean, he's lighting them up. And if you know something about me, like, I have great patience, but there's some things I have no patience for. Let me tell you what, I stood right up. My wife, she didn't see it. Have, I stood right up. She was like, wait, 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 where are you going? Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Your husband, he's a defender. And your wives are like, don't do it. They're like, don't. I got up. I got up. I said, listen, I'm about to fit a whoop a man right now. I'm about to tear a man up. Listen, I started walking. I'm not lying. I started walking across that restaurant. That man, he lucky he ran out of that place. He stormed out because I was fixing to drag him out. I'm for real. I beat up a grown man before. I'll do it again. I didn't always love Jesus. All right. And so, look, I ain't playing. Listen, and let me tell you what, parents, if you call in your kids stupid and then you're upset about how they grow up to be adult, guess what? They didn't raise themselves. You raised them. You raised them. And I don't know why this has rested on my heart the whole morning. This is not even the main point of this whole message, but I'm, I'm trying to correct some things today. We cannot tell our kids and this generation that they're dumb, ignorant, and stupid just because we're frustrated that we're dumb, ignorant, and stupid. And we want to know why we're raising kids who have struggles and have these things. Yes, the world is a different place than when you and I were children and when our grandparents were children. But let me tell you one thing that remains the same. Kids look up to parents and trust that what they say is true. And if you speak death over your kids, death will find your kids. But if you speak life over your children, they'll know what it's like to be in joy and peace and in unity. I, I, I've shared before, like I grew up uh, in the country. I grew up like farm area, working on farms. My dad's got a huge garden uh, at his house. And uh, I was thinking about this today. You don't plant watermelons hoping uh, cucumbers come up, right? You, you plant watermelons because you love watermelons. And my son loves watermelons. We're going to see my dad this week. He is excited about one thing, picking watermelons this week. And uh, if you planted watermelon seed and a cucumber showed up, you'd be like, what the what? I just got had at the seed store. Like, I don't know what I just planted, but it for sure wasn't watermelon, right? Because we don't judge a seed by the seed we put in the ground. We judge a seed by what it produces, right? And a believer is to produce love, joy, peace, and patience. But let me tell you what we like to do. We like to sow anxiety, fear, discord, and complaint, and wonder why we haven't reaped faith, abundance, joy, peace, and all those things. 
we're planting watermelon seeds and we're getting cucumbers and we're upset at God like it's God's fault. But God didn't, God didn't speak those words over your life. In fact, you did. Because God's already spoke a lot of things over your life. But many of us, we have a, a, a word deficit in our lives and in our, in our, in our hearts. We love to, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a walk on it today. I hope you got your toes in some steel toe today. We, we come to church, right? We want, we, we love to celebrate a one-liner. Like, oh, that's a zinger. That's a good word. And we go home and we're encouraged for about 45 minutes until we get over to Wendy's and the line's wrapped around the building. But if you'd pick this word up every day and you just read five minutes of it, I promise you the Lord will do something in your heart that you never thought he could do. Because you never realized he could do it. So, what kind of fruit are you seeing show up in your heart, in your relationships, in your finances? What are you seeing come up? Are you, are you planting watermelons, seeing cucumbers, and you're upset? Or are you planting watermelons, man, the Lord blessing it? Are you planting joy and you're seeing joy show up in the smiles of your kids and in, in the joy of their life? And you're seeing joy in the workplace where you are. Like, what are you doing? What are you planting? Brings me to my fourth point, man. Words, man, words can be keys, right? They can unlock things that were previously locked to you. I, I told you uh, I grew up in a small town. There's only two things in my small town. Uh, tobacco and then an outlet center, right? Like a, and I used to work at the Polo Outlet Center. Come on, somebody. And uh, I remember I was 17, just graduated high school, and they were doing everything they can to try and make me what you call a key holder, right? It's like an assistant manager. They're like, you could be a key holder. We're going to throw a raise at you. And at the time, I felt honored. Then I realized later that they were just desperate, right? Like, you don't ask a 17-year-old to manage a whole store full of other adults. And uh, but it's, the position came with the raise, and it had a title because with it was responsibility and authority. And words, words are like keys. And those who know how to use them can get into places that other people can't. They can access things in the kingdom that other people can't. They can access the presence of God in a way that others can't. Man, words, words are like keys. They're important. They're keys to success, keys to freedom, keys to joy, keys that unlock things about God's character. I'm a firm believer in the authority of you and I as believers. If, you're, if you confess in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, there's a shift that happens in your life, and authority is placed in your heart and on your mind. And we have authority because, number one, we're one with the Lord. His, he, he has come and he dwells in our hearts and in our minds. And then number two, because the Lord said that you do, that you have authority. Look at this over in Matthew, okay? Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Mark chapter 11, I truly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted. I want you to write this down. I mean, your words can set you free, not because of who you are, but because of the authority in which you've been given, okay? Your words can set you free, not because you got my name attached or your name attached. There's a reason why we pray, and at the end we say, in Jesus' name we pray, and we don't say, in, in my name I pray. Because your name, it, despite what you may think about it, it doesn't carry any weight. It doesn't. But there is a name, 
that is above all other names. Come on. There's a name that has changed more about this world and history of mankind than any other name that's ever gone before it. That name is power. That name is healing. That name is joy. That name is peace. That name is provision. That name is patience. That name is kindness. That name is compassion. And I'm here to tell you, stop wielding your own name and start wielding his name and realize that you're under the authority of him. Your words can set you free because of the authority you've been given. There's a freedom in what you declare. Or would you speak about yourself? I, I, I am a person of great faith. Now, I wouldn't classify me as, like, as a name it and claim it like the Lord's going to give me $5 million today. When I get out of here, there's going to be $5 million in my bank account. No, I'm not. I'm not I, I believe in the power of faith. And I trust that the Lord blesses me with what I can handle and what I deserve. And then there's a lot of freedom in that. But I thought about this today, man. Like, think about this. Think about the words that you pray and the things that you praise and how you sing. I don't know about you, but man, there's been some dark moments in my life where all I really had was like a song. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you grew up in church, uh, it's always the redback hymnal songs that get you, right? It's like you're crying and I love new music. Don't get me wrong. I love it to death. I love music. Uh, but man, something about just as I am, every time I hear that song, it brings me back to when I gave my heart to the Lord. You might know what I'm talking about. Like stuff just, it just, there's, sometimes there's a song that resonates in your heart. And I got to thinking about this, like what do we do in times when life is really hard? Like are we people who praise and who sing? Even, in the, even when we can't see the way out, we're just going to praise Him anyhow. There's a song, praise Him anyhow. But are you one of those people? In Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, Paul and Silas are getting ready to go on his next big missionary journey. And he's arguing with God. And maybe that's my favorite story because I argue with God a lot. I don't know. And he's like, God, I want to stay here in Asia, like Turkey, Asia Minor. Like, I want to stay here. We've got churches here. We know we'll be received. But the Lord is calling him to go to Macedonia. And he's like, man, I don't want to get, he goes back and forth. Finally, he submits to the plan of God and he shows up. And here's the reason he's in Macedonia. There's not synagogues. So he's got to preach in the market square. And all of a sudden he's out of his comfort zone. Man, people, the Bible says like people just in droves are just coming and giving their heart to Jesus. Like he, God aligns him with people who are blessing their ministry financially and housing them, all this different stuff. Like everything's going really well until they do one thing. They cast a devil out of a, um, of a uh, psychic and uh, everybody's upset all of a sudden then so what do they do they put him in prison and before they put him in prison they beat him with rods him and Silas and they not only throw him in jail but they Bible says they put them in like the inner jail which is really like a dungeon and they bound their feet and put a guard outside of the door that couldn't leave and had to stay there like they were in major trouble and I can't help but think man that Paul's in this place where he's arguing with God and wondering, like, okay, I said yes to your plan. You said to live the right way. And look where you, look where you put me, dog. Like, do you, are you watching? Like, you've been paying attention? I can't help but think that way. But the word says, man, this is where it's hard not to, like, just really come unglued and preach. The word says that at about midnight, right about the time of the darkest time of the whole night, that there was a shift in the atmosphere of the jail. And Paul and Silas, they didn't cry. They didn't complain. 
The Bible says that they praised. And in the moment that they began to lift the name of Jesus up, man, something began to shake in that place. The Bible says that the foundation of the whole jail began to shake violently because the name of Jesus is being lifted. And not only did God come down and put peace in their heart, but God threw the chains off their feet and opened the doors to every single cell in the whole place. His praise set him free and set everybody else free. And if that wasn't enough, he stops and he grabs the jailer and he, and he begins to share the gospel with him. Man, and the jailer gets saved and the jailer takes him back to his house and his family gets saved. And God just starts doing all of this stuff. Why? Because somebody chose to praise their way out and I don't know what you need a key to maybe you need some healing in the house maybe your marriage is in disruption maybe your life man it just doesn't look real good I want you to do me a favor and just begin to praise God long before you see the way out and just say Lord I thank you for what you're gonna do I thank you in advance that I'm gonna make I thank you for the job you're gonna provide for me I thank you for the healing that's gonna take place in my heart today the jailer made a mistake because he only bound their hands, didn't bind their mouth. Sometimes all you need is just a word. Sometimes all you need is just a song. Sometimes all you need is just to praise God in a moment of crisis when everything is falling apart. Your praise, I think, is a weapon, not just for you, man, but for other people to get free. And I wonder what our world would look like if we'd use our words to set more people free instead of bind them down so we can look better. Your words have power. There's a saying, right? Sticks and stones break my bones, but words have never hurt me. That's a bunch of, you know what? Sticks and stones break bones and words. They don't break bones, but they break your heart. Sometimes a heart wound is so much more difficult to come out of than a broken leg or a broken arm. They break your spirit. And to those in the room today, man, I've been talking about uh, speaking things over our lives and over our kids and over our own self. But the only thing that's been on your mind is all the things that maybe your parents said over you. Or that influential person said over you. Or maybe an ex-husband or an ex-wife spoke over you and said over you. And now it's in your mind and it's infiltrated who you are. And if you were to be real honest and pull the curtain back of your own heart, you could admit that, man, you're still broken on the inside. Because of the words of somebody else. There's never been a word spoken over you by someone else or by the devil in your ear that has ever been final. The only final word ever spoken was, it is finished by Jesus on the cross. Because when he nailed, God, when he said that, let me tell you what. I got a chance to get out. And I don't know what they said over you, but there's healing in the cross. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's healing and hope for all the things that you've still battled with. No one is perfect. No parents are perfect. And if you've got damage in your soul today, you can lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you can find freedom. Not because of what I've said, but because of what the Lord's already spoke over you. And then... My second thought is this, like, what are, you, what are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to yourself on a daily basis about you? Like, uh, when you step on the scale, what are you saying about yourself? When you get up and you go to work, and it's already crazy before you get in there, what are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about yourself when you see your kids act a fool? What are you saying about yourself when you know that you 
spent way too much money on something you should have spent money on and you're hiding it. Like, what are you saying about yourself on a regular basis? Because I think a lot of us, we say the wrong things. Are you willing to say this? Like, I'm not who I was. And I'm not what they said about me. I am a child of God. I am blessed. I am whole. God's a provider in his favors on my life. I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have a destiny. All of those things are not just things I've said from a pulpit today. They are things God said about you in his word. In here. And maybe you don't realize those are a reality because you haven't picked this up. But I want to challenge you today. Man, get a Bible. Get a Bible you can understand. Jump in on whatever God has for you. And let's make the rest of this year a year committed to saying things that the righteous would say. Speaking things over our world and our environment that are life-giving, life-producing. And speaking things to unlock doors in the kingdom of heaven for God's blessing and his presence to pour out. I've been praying some specific keys as we approach deeper nights. Shameless plug. August 1st to the 3rd. I believe we're going to have an encounter with the Lord like we never had before. And not only do I believe it, but I've been praying that the door would be open. I've been using my keys to say, God, whatever you got to do, let it happen. Because I believe God's going to shift some things in the lives of our church and change us forever. So are you putting yourself in a position to speak good things over your life, to speak righteous words? Or are you still living with the hurt of what somebody said over you? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Maybe you're in here and you could say, Pastor Ben, like, you talked a lot today about this relationship with God and all the things God has for you and all this stuff. But if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I died today that I would go to heaven. I don't, I don't, I've never really done any of that. But man, today, I want to make a commitment to God. I want to live my life for him and invite him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you today and you want to make that commitment, I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray over you. No one's looking around. Thank you in the back. I want us to pray this prayer out loud together. I want everyone to repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my heart and make me whole. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you give it up for the one person that gave their heart to the Lord today? Maybe you're in here and you can say, Pastor Ben, man, I, the Lord's still working on me. And this week, I just want you to remember me in prayer. I'm getting better, but I need a little bit of help. Hands already going up. If that's you, just lift your hand. I want to pray over you. Come on, all over there. It's okay. Listen, it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to want to be better. So let's pray right now. Lord, over every hand that was raised, I pray that you would do exactly what you want to do in their life. Lord, that you would reveal what needs to change. But Lord, you would encourage them where encouragement needs to remain. Lord, for the people who are dealing with past trauma and hurt over what somebody says, Lord, I declare that they are blessed, that they are healed, that they are whole, that they are favored. Lord, I pray that, that they would find you in places they never found you before. Lord, that they would lean into you and, and, and surrender more of their emotion to you, knowing, God, that you have the whole world in your hands. And that you can do in a moment, God, what we have not been able to do in our entire life. Lord, bless us and we praise you in advance 
for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.